Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Natalie Katona. Natalie is the host of To All the Men I've Tolerated Before. To All the Men I've Tolerated Before is a weekly podcast where each episode is a deep dive into everyday misogyny. She is also the co-host and co-creator of Still Comfy, a live stream where her and her co-host rewatch their favorite comfort shows and movies to see if they are still cozy with their modern mindsets. And I am so excited to have you here today, Natalie. When I saw the name of your show, I was like, oh, damn, yes, we got to have her on. (laughs) You know, it's so funny. Last week, I was on the Imposter Syndrome Club podcast. So last week, I was an imposter. This week, I'm a wickedly smart woman. And my imposter syndrome, whenever someone's like, ah, that title, I go, oh, I hope the episodes are as good as the one funny line I made for a title. (laughs) Well, I am sure that this episode is going to be incredibly powerful, Natalie. I want to begin our time together really asking you to maybe go back in time to maybe the first time that you became aware. Maybe you didn't understand what the word was, but you became aware of the dynamic of misogyny. See if you can take us back there. Oh, I think the very first time I became very aware of the dynamic that is misogyny was I was very candidly talking about a date I had been on and how I was once again not going on a second date and how online dating is hard. And an older friend and a friend that I respected a lot, he said, he goes, well, have you ever thought of showing up to the date as you, but like you light, like the dialed back quieter calmer version of you and i went i mean no because when i was in high school and i used to like just fake it so boys would like me they eventually did not like me he's like yeah but you kind of just have to like ease people into your personality and i and it was not that day that i got angry about it but i remember in the days following i was like no one gets asked to really make people more comfortable with their personality like a woman, like a young Mm. woman who has easy and open opinions and is more than proud or bold enough to show them. Well, you know, part of this story is that was the first place where you actually recognized it. But what I'm hearing is where it was actually the first time you experienced it was in high school or maybe even earlier when you self-regulated Like Mm -hmm. you began the process of internalizing 
misogyny is what yeah. it sounds like. So can we go back there? Can you oh, talk yeah. about like what, what what influenced you to believe that you needed to turn yourself down back in high school? So I didn't date a lot or at all in high school. A lot of times I was the guy's best friend who got all of the brunt of his girlfriend's like, not mistakes, but like, oh, I'm irritated at her. So why don't you and I go out to lunch or go out to dinner or I'll hang out with you at the dance for about 20 minutes. And I remember just, again, being told like, well, you know, I already know everything about you or there's a lot to dating you. It's a lot of energy to be around you, Nanley, and things like that. And then high school also made me think of a time where I was always very interested in world cultures and the history surrounding them. And I expressed that to my American history teacher at the time. And he looked me dead in the eye and he goes, you know, you're very talented and you're going to make a great teacher one day, but they only really want men teaching social studies classes because then they're guaranteed a football or a basketball coach. And then I was like, fine, I guess I'll teach elementary school and then I'll work in world cultures with the little kids. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, for me, I'm going to say I felt the dynamic as soon as my baby brother was born. Oh, wow. And, you know, I was three. So if I'm really honest with myself, as I grew up, probably the first few times that I really felt like there's something not right here. There's mm -hmm. something like the boy gets elevated. The boy gets excused for a lot of things. The boy, the girl gets blamed if, the, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there was certainly the dynamic of you're the older one, so you should know better kind of thing. But for me, like deep in me, I feel like it started when a boy showed up in the family and the boy all of a sudden was better than the girl. Yeah. Yeah. And my family is a family of myself and my sister, so two daughters. And my therapist has asked me, well, do you think that in your family you were masculinized hmm. to then take the role of a son because you were the oldest daughter? So like seniority had to go to someone. And that's also why you get so much pushback on your exuberance or boldness or directness or whatever, because those are usually things that people are very comfortable with coming from men. And I was like, oh man, I'm, gonna, I'm like, I'm going to have to turn against that one and then be resentful at yet another Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, Natalie, Let's be clear and let's share with all of our listeners in 106 countries around the world that misogyny is alive and well for all women. Many of us internalize it. And then we end up tolerating. Mm -hmm. So I want to hear about the first time you tolerated and what happened when you got to the point where you said, I'm tolerating. Yeah. The first, it takes a lot of healing to get to the point where you're aware that you're not just living in misogyny, you're tolerating it. There's a lot of ways that teenage 
girls and young women have like performative, like radical rebellious thoughts against what we call the patriarchy. And then there are those moments in your adult life where you go, oh, the things that I have internalized make me accept A, B, or C about my life. And I was working in a theater corporation and I found myself tiptoeing around the ego of my direct supervisor and making sure that any compliment I got bounced right on back to him, especially if we were in public, to make sure that he always felt like he was right and justified and all of that because I knew that my the safety of my job was connected to his ego. And it was a job that if you took him and that dynamic out of, I was really enjoying and I saw a future in. I was eventually laid off from that job due to COVID and experiencing massive theater layoffs and things like that. But at the time it was like, well, if I could just, if I could just like get a little misty eye, tell him he's right. Or I didn't understand why my jerk reaction was to cry or get a little emotional or tell him and beg him to know how sorry I was and how good of a boss I thought he was. And then when I was laid off and we were sitting alone in our houses or with our families during the quarantine, it made me realize I was like, oh, those were all ways where I was trying to have a little bit more control in that situation in the way that I had seen other people and other women have control in situations where it's like, we'll have an emotional response to try and trigger their emotional response. to do. So they humanize you again. Mm, yeah. Well, so so this is kind of like the the coping mechanisms, right? The idea of these coping mechanisms. Number one, we we just accept the bullshit mm -hmm. and tolerate it. Number two, we for safety's sake, I mean, you use the magic word there for safety's sake, we start to I, I call it turn ourselves into a pretzel. Oh. I am I have I have awards here for the podcast. <laughs> I got eight awards for the podcast, but let me tell you, the biggest award I should actually have up here on the shelf is the award for a lifetime of pretzeling myself, wow. which is basically turning myself into something that is going to be acceptable to a person who is likely dangerous mm -hmm. to me in some way, likely dangerous to me in some way. And I think at its extreme, misogyny can become domestic violence. Mm -hmm. Would that be fair to say? 100%. Right. So we have two sides to this equation. One is we have the misogyny, but two, we have the coping mechanisms that females have handed down generation after generation that perpetuate the toleration of the misogyny. So I want to ask you, you know, when you started to recognize that you were tolerating, you mentioned therapy, at what point did you say, I have to, I have to stop doing this and I have to get some help and I need to find a different way? Yeah, it was, it was before my theater position that I started therapy. I had been an elementary school teacher for about six years and I was experiencing teacher burnout, which I believe we are all very aware is becoming more prevalent in the profession. And so a friend just handed me her therapist card and was like, she's great. 
She believes in all of the causes that you believe in. She calls out the bullshit. She is very aware of the systems that we are living under. And I was like, great. And I started going and you just start reliving these memories of things that either happened around you or to you or with you or that you were an active participant in. And at first, like, you're just grappling with that, about that being a part of your new reality of like, I accepted these things or I partake, took in these things. And it wasn't really until years after when I was unemployed and I started the podcast Mm -hmm. that I was then the lady talking publicly about the ways that she had been treated and mistreated in relationships and professional situations and things like that, where I'm like, well, if I'm going to talk about it and if I'm going to end each show wishing for better for all of us, then I have to be the lady who demands better and to really just like live that mantle of being like, oh, no, I'm just out wishing for better. Like I am insisting. Mm. I love it. I love the idea of living the mantle and insisting. All right, we're going to take a short break, Natalie. But when we come back, we're going to talk more about the podcast. Right now, Wickedly Smart Women, we could use your help. If you are enjoying the show and want us to stay on the air, please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. While you're there, check out our brand new book, Wickedly Smart Women, Trusting Intuition, Taking Action and Transforming Worlds. We were a number one new release in six different categories across three countries, an international bestseller. There are 17 powerful stories in that book. We would love to have you access the book because it is an extension of the amazing Wickedly Smart Women brand and the stories that we tell here. So please go ahead and get yourself a copy of the book. And we'd love to have you review it too. That's a really important thing so that all of your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues can know about the book and about the show. So I'd love to have you help us out in that way. I want to say a huge thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We're going to shout out this week. I did my last printout was 106 countries. So we'll shout out this week. Let's shout out to Ohio because that's where Natalie is living. And we will also shout out to our listeners in Aruba because it's that time of year where I'm having dreams of Aruba and Greece. And we will be right back with Natalie Katona. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by Women in Transition, Women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your wealthy life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with Natalie Katona. You can find out more about Natalie and her show at 
Men I've Tolerated Pod on Instagram. We will have that for you in the show notes. And of course, you can find her show on everywhere that podcasts stream. So before we went to the break, Natalie, we were talking about your own transformation from being in a position of tolerating to coming to peace with some of the ways that you did that and making a conscious choice to stop doing that. And in the process of your therapy, it sounds like you found your voice and decided to employ that voice by creating the podcast to all the men I've tolerated before. So I'd love to have you share with our listeners, what was the process that made you decide to not just process your own internalized misogyny and your own experiences of misogyny, but to process so publicly and to create a podcast about this? Sure. One of my great loves is comedy and female comedians. I grew up and I often make the joke that my mom takes a lot of credit, but it was Chelsea Handler who raised me. And I can't wait until the day where I get to tell her that in person. But I always thought that to all the men I've tolerated before would be my brash, crude stand-up comedy act once a week. And me and a friend, she was kind enough to take off the the mind block, the physical block in my mind was, well, I don't want to learn anything tech-wise. Like, I've learned all I can learn, and I do not want to know how to edit audio. So that was the thing that I kept myself from doing the thing that I want to do. Like, oh, I didn't wake up today knowing how to edit audio, so can't start a podcast. And one night, it was during the pandemic, she just said, I'll learn how to edit audio because I've got a lot of stories too. And that first season with my co-host, Dina, we did focus a lot on trying to like laugh through the experiences and then have a very cathartic after conversation about like, but this is also how it made me feel about myself. And this is how it made me feel about the world or how I think that the world and society played a part in that. And then when Dina, for her own self-care and health, had to step back from the podcast, I realized that I was given an opportunity to revamp what the show would be going forward. And I had kept bringing up this term in a lot of episodes called radical honesty, because I think one of the greatest tools of the patriarchy and misogyny is the way that it will silence us and make us feel unsafe about speaking our truth. And I had definitely felt that way dating and in other situations where you would be describing what you were going through and someone would go, is it that bad though? Like, I I hear a lot of ladies have it worse in their relationships and you'd be like, yeah, well, you know, I guess, you know, there's not a physical bruise. So I guess I can, you know, date him for a couple more months. Maybe he'll get bored. But I wanted the podcast to be a place where guests of all ages, gender spectrums and sexualities and races could come forward and go But this is how I know that the system is built so misogyny and the patriarchy can and will thrive and survive. And this is why we need to stop tolerating it. And that's been so freeing is to meet a great network of people who are also just very aware and affirming that what you are experiencing is in fact true. Beautiful. Well, there's so much to unpack there, (laughs) Natalie. So I 
I think what I want to do is I want to talk, I want to take a little track down the radical honesty path. And I want to really underscore for our listeners that this idea of if there's not a physical bruise on your mm-hmm. body, right, then you shouldn't have a problem, right? And I want to, because there may, I would not be surprised that there may be listeners. I mean, we have listeners all over the world and we mm-hmm. have listeners in countries where misogyny is well entrenched even more solidly than here in the U.S. So emotional abuse and psychological abuse and mental abuse and even threats, which threats of physical violence is an abuse, are as damaging and sometimes even more damaging than the physical bruising. And from my experience, because I've experienced all of the above, including the physical stuff, the society is more willing to believe when there's tangible physical evidence. Can we talk a little bit about what you think, Natalie, it's going to take to make more headway so that women are not just believed, but ultimately revered as humans, as co-creators with men? Well, I think the idea of being honest about it, but it has to go further than your echo chamber. I feel like around election time, we all think that something's going to go our way because we're with our friends in our echo chamber and then someone gets elected and we're like, oh no, (laughs) how did that happen? So I think more people coming together and talking about things and the intersectionality of misogyny about this is how misogyny plays out in faith. And then this is how I'm a practicer of that faith, but I've eliminated believing in the misogynistic parts in it because I still feel an ownership to my faith. And I think that's a big part of it too, is the comfort and the confidence to take up that space. I think we saw a lot of headway when it came to the Me Too movement about what was going on in our offices and our movie studios and our music tours when it came to sexual harassment and abuse. And one voice became many voices, became someone going in front of the Supreme Court and telling about her experiences. And you start talking and then you start listening because other people are experiencing it too. And you started to feel so alone because loneliness is another tool of the patriarchy and the misogyny and capitalism. Capitalism also makes us really lonely because of scarcity mindset. And you start to realize it's not just me. And at any moment, I I call our listeners team tolerator because we are a team and we are exterminating tolerating misogyny. And if you need an encouraging text message or an encouraging message, I would hope that you would know that I am a person that you can come to or listen to an episode or reach out to one of our guests and feel this idea that like, there's an entire Avengers squad behind us and we can and will overcome. 
Beautiful. Well, I think the we've only got a couple minutes left, Natalie, here. So what I think I want to do now is I want to go back to you finding your voice and being willing to then leverage your voice and, and share it and help other women be affirmed in their experience. I'd love to have you speak, if you would, about you know what you have done internally to continue to dismantle your own inner critic, your own inner misogynist, and to strengthen and support and lift up and empower your own voice. To my right, I have my 2024 vision board that I created for another episode of the podcast. And on the very bottom of it, it says clean sweep. And I feel that we are only as powerful as the people around us allow us to be in the spaces that we take up space in. So I have done a lot of walking away from relationships and friendships or limiting contact with people in my own family or in my own circles because I don't have the energy to fight against a system that's already against me and to also fight against the people who I thought were supposed to love me. So I think part of building your team is actually reflecting on who gets to be on that team and in what capacity they get to be on that team. Mm, That is so good. And so here's this just one little piece that I want to drop in here is you just talked about isolation and loneliness and and now you're saying, yeah, but we got to cut out some of these people. Yeah. <laughs> who are who are perpetuating. So there it's like a staged thing. You're actually lonely with the people who are tolerating the misogyny. You're yeah. actually in relationships that need to go away and you actually require some alone time to be able to reflect on what is something that I can bring in? Who are the people that I can bring in that are going to nourish and support and who are of like mind in the mission and the vision. And, you know, this is, this is for everyone, not just for people who are, you know, thinking about podcasting or, or thinking about starting their own business, or this is for all of you listeners out there. You know, if you have a vision, it's the people closest to you often that are the ones that are the most intolerant of your vision, Mm -hmm. right? All right, Natalie. Well, you are beautiful, and I am so grateful that you came to be with us today. If if there's one more thing you'd want to say for our listeners before we close, I'd love to hear it now. I think the only thing that I would want to say is you don't have to smile through anything you're tolerating, but I hope throughout your day you have a lot of reasons to smile. Beautiful. All right. Well, Natalie, it has been a distinct pleasure having you today. Listeners, we love feedback. Please do let us know what you thought of today's show. Stop tolerating misogyny and call into our listener line to leave a message if you would like to give some feedback. We will have that listener line for you in the show notes. You can also send in questions or guest suggestions to our email, which will be in the show notes. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open and remember you are wonderful women. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. 
Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.